on a personal level, as someone that suffers from really, really, really bad depression, anxiety, it comes in waves, you know, when I, it doesn't solve it, but it does make me feel like I've got some purpose when I'm feeling very lost. Welcome to Priorities, the podcast about the things in life that really matter. I'm your host, journalist and coach, Lily Silverton. And each week, I'll be asking a new interviewee to open up about the things that are important and unimportant to them. What takes first place in their life? What they couldn't care less about? And what they'd like to work on a little bit more? Will you agree with their priorities? Will they make you reevaluate your own? Let's find out. My guest today is chef, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, Melissa Hemsley. Melissa began her career in food in 2010 as a private chef cooking for musicians and actors, along with her sister, Jasmine. The duo went on to release two cookbooks, open a cafe in Selfridges, London, and launch an international primetime cookery show. Melissa has since released two solo cookbooks, Eat Happy in 2018 and Eat Green, which came out earlier this year and perfectly showcases her dedication to planet-friendly, waste-free eating. Melissa is also the founder of the Sustainability Sessions and an ambassador for Fair Trade, Felix Project, Mental Health Mates, Future Dreams, and the Prince's Trust. Not bad for someone who, as you'll soon find out, suffers from imposter syndrome. Melissa, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. It's such a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Where are you at on a scale of one to 10? Ooh, Ooh, where am I? I think I'm pretty high. I, I might even go for a seven. I've um, I've been looking forward to chatting to you. I just squeezed in a little bit of Pilates, which felt nice because I fell down. The, I haven't told you, I fell down the stairs a year ago, uh, and that really hurt um, and put me out of action. So I just did a little bit of that. And after I speak to you, I'm going to go for a walk. So I think I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good. Sorry, I didn't, even, I didn't even ask the question back. Where are you on a scale of one? No, that, that's all good. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I just told you I just spent 20 minutes in the sun, naughtily without any sun cream, and I've got the whitest, whitest, uh, slightly Irish skin. So I'm now a bit pink and feeling quite warm, but quite happy from having had a bit of sun time. Oh, vitamin delight. Vitamin D delight. Vitamin D delight, exactly. All right, I reckon we'll dive straight in with your first priority. So, Melissa, what's the number one or the one of the first priorities of your life? Oh, well, how many, how many how many have I got to say? I mean, not got to say, but how many can I get away? I'm just thinking which one I should start with. We got your three that we're going to talk about. Where would you like to start? I'm going to start with I'm going to start with comfort because I am feeling quite comforted at the moment. I'll start with comfort. Can I start with comfort? Do it. So <laughs> sum it up a little bit to begin. So one of my priorities I'm going to go for is comfort. And for comfort, what, I'm, what I take from that is what feels good. So what feels good for me in any given moment Um so just listening to you now, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for that comfort feel from the sun on my skin that I'm going to go and have when we finish. Um, and then in the same way, I it's I think comfort feels um, like a safety net. It's like a it's within and external for me. So it's like this lovely force field of my own comfort, and then what I choose to surround myself with and what I let in what I, what I don't let in and it's also feeling um strong yet soft and tender I always <laughs> don't know why I just said it in that voice it's like, so, so, slightly started to sound like a tampon advert <laughs> or something I felt, suddenly felt like I was getting into an advertorial voice but it, it is that feeling of of feeling these conflicting well not conflicting, opposing forces that meet in the right way. So I don't usually, I've got to say, of an afternoon, have my shit enough together that I've gone and done my Pilates. Now I'm sat with you with a little rustle around for 
tech stuff. I've got my tea. I mean, it doesn't usually work like that, but it's so funny. I actually think maybe you, um, when you checked in with me, you know, a couple of weeks ago again, after we had this long awaited date, didn't we? We had this in the diary for a while. It's, it's, it's like a little positive trigger to reset myself. So I think comfort is this sort of movable feast where I'm always checking back in. Does that feel good? Does that feel nice? If I say yes to that, for example, I today said no to something and it was a paid job. And, um, as a self-employed person, you know, we don't, you know, you don't know when they're coming, especially at moments like this. And it was on paper, a very positive fit for me. Otherwise I wouldn't even entertain it. But for various reasons, which I thought long and hard about, it didn't sit well. So comfort, I think, as well as what sits well for now and your future self. And also, um, what feels like inherently right. And I've been thinking loads about my intuition at the moment. Mm. Um, And, you know, I often don't check in with myself on a big scale, unless it's my birthday, which is September. So it's almost like that back to school thing anyway, uh, end of the year and sort of when the seasons change, because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not careful, I can get quite obsessive. I'm a, I would call myself a recovering perfectionist Virgo, right? So if I'm if I'm not if I don't if I don't chill the f out a bit about goals, they go over me. But having said that, in my very long answer to your question, it's a movable feast that I constantly say, "Does that feel nice?" Does that feel okay? Like not to say I don't ever do anything outside my comfort zone, but I'm always like, will I, will my head hit the pillow in a nice way? Obviously it's important to do uncomfortable work in, in different ways, but I always try and think like, if, if today was my last day, would that be a nice day well spent? Or have I given something back to the world today? Wow. Is that... Shall, I, shall we do that bit again? Was that the most? No, I haven't even. Had, I haven't even had a coffee. How rambly was that? You were fantastic. It wasn't rambly at all. And I love that point about saying no to things because something that's actually come up a lot in the podcast, something that comes up a lot when I work with clients and stuff, is this inability to say no to things or not being sure what to say no to. And I think that what you talk about, how you, I love the way of feeling comfort in yourself, the way that you phrased it. I hadn't really heard that before, and I love that approach. And if you are continually checking in with what your priorities are and what your core values are, then it just makes it a lot easier to have that easy access to intuition. Because obviously we've all got our intuition, but we don't necessarily hear it so well or feel it so well if we're not also feeling comfortable or feeling this comfort around ourselves and around the choices that we're making. You just said it perfectly. What you said. (laughs) Has this always been a priority for you? Well, maybe I would have framed it. Now I'm in my 34th, coming up to my 35th year. How old are you? 36. 35. I'm 30, I'll be 36 this next month. Oh. I think. What, what's your star sign? Cancer. You're Cancer, so you're July. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm about where you are then. I think... I would have framed, if you'd asked me this a year ago, I don't think I would have used the word comfort. (laughs) I might have used the word... I don't think I'd have even used the word happy. I would have used... Maybe I would have used content. And I'm not even sure. So no, I I think in answer to your question, I don't think I have always felt the word comfort. I don't think I really explored what the word comfort meant because sometimes it can mean very much duvet day, rainy day, um, cozy. But I also think comfort can be, you know, sun on skin, cold, cold, you know, cold sea washing over your hot body. Ooh. Um, (laughs) And it can be a night a night out with friends and quite a lot of wine. It can be a wine night out with friends. I don't can't even imagine what that would feel like anymore. No. I tell you what, one thing I've been craving is having. I don't even really like cider, but for some reason, cider is in my vision. This idea of just long a long drink 
um, on a sort of patch of grass, uh, you know, in in a pub ground not in not in the dark pub outside I've just got this vision of that's what I'm looking forward to that yes you're right that is also comfort so yeah it's all I mean the older I'm getting I also haven't told you this I did this incredible I'll probably bring it up a few times incredible life affirming and life meaningful retreat called the bridge retreat um have you heard of it it was last December no I haven't I'd really, I think you would really like it a lot. And it's, it's main, the main part of the bridge retreat is the long retreat, which is five nights, um, six days of group therapy, which I didn't really understand when I signed up for it. And I'm not, uh, oh, I'll go and spend a lot of money on something I don't know a huge amount about. However, in this case, three different people who I really respect who've done a lot of positive work on themselves all said book it without hesitation and I think they said that because they knew that myself or people listening or you might think oh maybe not you but oh no I don't really fancy group therapy with loads of strangers uh, so I, I sort of put my deposit down and then realized it was group therapy and then they talk you through it all so they make sure you know what you're getting and I just my intuition said go for it and the reason I went for it is because um it's it's specialized in grief of all different kinds so for me it was for my father uh who who had died five years before at the time and it was a, a as all deaths are sad, but it was sort of sad, beautiful. You know, he died in my, me and my mum, my sister's arms after a long cancer illness. And I wanted something like this that I could really um, get outside of myself with. So no phones, no book. You weren't even allowed a book. You had to sit in your shit. You couldn't escape to a book or a story or a music or music. Um, anyway, it was brilliant for many, many reasons, but also to talk about different types of grief it people it was you know loss of career because that can be so much of someone's identity uh loss of marriage relationship loss of the life you thought you were gonna have big one um but they also now just for the purposes of you know who knows what the world's gonna look like and have always done one day retreats and and online retreats and just very special people running it very special people also I like how they have a a bursary and they also for every group there's always a a spot available for someone in the caring profession who goes for free really really lovely people oh it sounds incredible I'll link to it in the show notes I'll look it up and link to it in the show notes they're special people yeah I think with um, this idea of comfort as well, just going back to what you said about getting a little bit older, I think in your 20s, for most people, it's just not a priority in the same way. You see it maybe more with the younger generation, dare I say, who are a little bit more aware than we are, have grown up in quite a different world and seem a lot of them to be very, mental health is very much at the forefront of a lot of schools it's at the forefront of a lot of conversations where it wasn't when we were younger at all it was something that was forged a little bit later but I think certainly for for our generation no one really talked about mental health in our 20s or in terms of sort of feeling comfortable in ourselves or our bodies or increasing that you may have had to do that work a little bit but it certainly wasn't this packaged idea now that it is or this very open idea that's out there Mm. I remember um, going to my first therapist when I was 18 and I had to say work and save so much to afford it. Um, And I didn't tell people because I was ashamed. One thing in my culture, the way I'd been brought up, you you didn't admit that things were wrong. You didn't tell people your secrets. It was like, gosh, people might find out. Just ex- just explain for anyone who might not know where you're from. So what your culture is, and so from from my mother's side, Filipino Catholic, uh, devoted, um, you know, religious, um, and everything that's wrapped up in in Catholicism, and I guess guilt, shame and confession and also all the beautiful things that are wrapped up in Catholicism which are celebration and community and hope and peace and so many wonderful things. Weirdly, not weirdly, I don't know, weirdly, I I really used to love going to church when I was younger. I used to like 
um, volunteer for Sunday school and like supporting the little kids and reading. And now I've got a church, it's Church of England at the end of my road. And I like just going in there. Um, and I find it a very peaceful space. But um, that's my mum's side. Then my father's side is army regimented through and through. We moved to army bases. Um, dad wasn't around a huge much. Uh, huge man and and dad you know people didn't show their emotion so I feel like and and I was when I look back at it always told that I was really loud and really noisy and very opinionated and just a bit much <laughs> how wrong they were <laughs> so um but you know now my, as, as I said my, my dad's not around anymore but my mum is very supportive of me um talking about things and and she in turn is talks about things more but growing up you just didn't and, and even I think my friends I just you know first of all it was like wow how can you afford to do that or why are you spending your money on that and I really think even now I just I choose to spend my money there that's where I, I want to to, to prioritise I don't go out a huge amount I I don't buy expensive clothes I mean I buy if I buy I buy quality over over quantity but I choose to spend that money on my mental health and when I booked that retreat for example it was you know, I booked it a year in advance and I saved that so uh I agree though growing up it wasn't the conversation wasn't there about mental health and I think move uh, the same space mental health but also I think brain health is going to be a conversation we see so much more of and I recently for for I do these IG live series IG TV series called the feel good sessions my last guest just just recently was Kimberly Wilson who I urge everyone to look up and maybe we can link to her she's at food and psych she's a chartered psychologist psychologist and uh has a master's in nutrition and I've I've never been as um, fascinated by the brain as by her because she's a great storyteller and a great communicator and she she takes the conversation from mental health even further into what is going on in our brains so we understand it and how dementia is the leading killer. We know that depression, mental health issues are the number one reason that uh, we're not going to work and we're suffering and maybe suffering in silence a lot of people so I think mental health and brain health and you know we know it start but you can start working on your brain health as a kid so it'll be really fascinating for you know the next generation our kids what conversations they learn at school mental health ones brain health ones you know what food they get advised to eat or taught to fall in love with I think is probably the better way what how, how you know bring back domestic science or such a silly word isn't it sorry if that offends anyone but bring back home the art of feeding yourself and looking after yourself and protecting your brain you know when you're younger my mum used to love saying to me when I was younger you know you're not invincible I just really remember that line like you're not invincible and I now realize what she was trying to say like she would always be pushing oily fish on me she'd put she'd give me mackerel for breakfast before school I was like mom I'm gonna sting I'm gonna have fish breath (laughs) but she was right (laughs) yeah I um definitely the link between mental health and brain health is so big mental health is incredibly complex and you know differs from person to person hugely but in terms of brain health the amount that we can change our brain change actual neural pathways through the work that we do through the way that we think through meditation you know eight weeks of daily meditation literally changes the brain so that the bit that's responsible for the stress response becomes a little bit smaller and the bit that's responsible for reasoning and thinking that we really need when we're in mental health crises becomes a little bit bigger and that's just irrefutable stuff that is staggering I'm really looking forward to reading Kimberly's book I've got it I might try and get her on the podcast as well oh, I bet she would love to be on your podcast and and yeah everyone's going to fall in love with her and go if only if only everyone could explain really complicated things so well she's just brilliant explaining it oh fantastic you also work as an ambassador for on these subjects don't you on, on the subject of mental health for quite a few places <coughs> <coughs> Oh, my nettle tea has gone <coughs> has gone down funny. You know when you have loose, loose tea and then you have a strainer, but it never gets all the bits. Yes, an ambassador. Yeah, I'm. Well, actually, oh yeah, Bryony Gordon, the brilliant journalist, author, 
Bryony Gordon, she founded Mental Health Mates, which is a, a community that is now, uh, it's, I could summarise that really as sort of walk, the, the walk and talk therapy, which is mm. something that lots of people do. I mean, when my father died, the local hospice, you know, called up my mum the next week and said, would let us know when you want to come for walk and talk. You know, these things we'd never lost anyone close to us before. We didn't know all of these amazing people and community organisations and volunteers. You know, it's funny, the one, one of the wonderful things, one of the only positive things about when you lose someone and when someone's sick, I don't know if anyone listening has had this. The sad thing is the older we get, the more people we, we love who we lose or are suffering. But how incredible carers are from you know we, we know this now everybody who didn't really appreciate the NHS before is now just like in awe of them and and all key workers but I had no idea how many people volunteer their time to volunteer at hospices to make spaces lovely to put plants in gardens to make sensory walks to make people that tiny bit happier in the last days of their life and also their family members. I think it's so amazing. And Brian Gordon, staggering, staggering, isn't it? And, and it makes you want to be a better person and it makes you realize how, you know, you know, here I am talking about being an ambassador and I don't mean it in a, I don't mean it in a braggy way. And there's people just quietly doing it all the time who aren't talking about it on a podcast. But the reason I like to talk about it, so thank you for bringing it up is because, I you don't know I, I don't know these things exist until some I hear someone else talking about them and then it can be inspiring to help you decide oh, okay I've been thinking about wanting to make a difference somewhere maybe that's it but Barani Gordon set this up and she talks very openly doesn't she um, about mental health and she says that her uh, she and her husband were talking one day and he said why don't you do a meetup an in real life meetup and uh she said to him I might just do it and put something out on Twitter that says come and meet me on Clapham Common and her husband said something like but what if loads of people who are nuts turned up and she went that's the point you know that's the point I want people to come with all their beautiful mental health in every shape or form and she went you are all welcome everything you're bringing in your brain come come bring it all your every emotion is welcome and I love that and actually she's one of the first people that got me talking through my grief because she invited me onto her podcast um, Mad Girl and I was honoured went on and she, she she eked stuff out of me as as all you good journalists do <laughs> and she had funnily enough also been on this retreat but that's a separate story but um she then said to me, look, you know what, uh, I, I need mental health mates. I want it to be big. I want it to be global, which it now is. So the idea is that there's a pack and anyone can be a mental health mates leader in your area. So mine is, you know, Victoria Park. You, yours could be West London. Yours could be South London, wherever. Yours could be Madrid. And people are sort of, you know, it's not, it's not obviously Samaritans. It's not mind. It's not you know any any of those uh, professional seeking support groups but it is about community and this idea of walk going back to what my mum was offered after my father died the idea of sometimes it's easier to walk and talk at the same time as opposed to sitting and having tea which is in a circle which is also one way of working but this is this is it and people have different ways they feel comfortable some people sitting around a circle I feel now I've done my group therapy I've had my group therapy virginity you know cherry popped now I feel I could do that but for others walking around a park might be the way for them yeah and walking so therapeutic as it is it's just such a it can put you in such a fantastic place Bryony's absolutely fantastic I read her book Mad Girl actually very shortly after I'd had my daughter and it's such an incredible book. It's staggering. It brings up some really big stuff, especially around having a small child. So I actually found it a little bit shocking to read, but incredibly insightful. And I was very glad I did. She'd be a dream guest on the podcast, actually, if I could get her on at some point. Yeah, so, on too. You can get everyone it, on. Give it a try. Um, but I'll link, I'll link to their organisation in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you. That brings us on pretty nicely, actually, talking about walking and talking outside onto your second priority, which is feeling connected to nature and working on your own sustainability journey. Mm. And the reason I sort of put those two together, although they could easily be separate, 
and I'll try and not bang on too much because there's so much to say, but um, I was thinking about, um, I think it was David Attenborough that said something along the lines of, you know, you'll save, you'll save something if you love it or you'll, I can't remember what he said, but he said something along the lines of how can we expect people to care about the world, nature, animals, the environment if they if they haven't fallen in love with it and I think one of those uh I probably should one day try and remember that quote so I can if asked ever again say it but you know imagine David saying something in that very calm reassuring voice of his um which apparently he loves fruit and nut fruit and nut chocolates and that's why he's always got such a lovely thick voice in his um voiceovers someone told me that um I always say whenever I see fruit and nut chocolate I think of him but um it's true is is if we you know one of the perks of of or one of the positives of of being locked down or forced to stop actual real humdrum life is I think a lot of us have spent more time when we have been allowed to, to, to be in nature and be outside and notice birds singing. And we have, we're able to hear the birds more because the play, there's less planes and there's less traffic and all of these things. It's incredible, isn't it? There they are. Oh, they always were there, although they're all numbers are dwindling because of this and so on. And, oh, look, there's some wildlife because that bush is growing back because it hasn't been hacked down because there's not enough people working in, in the council or whatever it is. But I think, yeah, the more we spend time in nature, the more we fall in love with it. And um, even regardless of birds, wildlife and all these important things, we know we know that game over when the bees go we've heard about the plight of the bees but more than that we can't know or care about every last person in the world but we have to because we need to remember that we are all connected and um you know I'm not an environmental expert I'm totally learning and reading and absorbing as much as I can but we 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 think you know I think I think there's a there's an element of uh, it's it's you know and the word has changed now right so instead of climate change it's now climate crisis and and I think some people are not realizing the urgency or hoping that it will get fixed or go away or that it won't affect us here by here I'm talking about you and me being in London but wherever you all are maybe we're thinking it's going to happen to us but it will and we've seen that happen with on a very small scale, but for very, and it was very powerful for some people, we saw food shortages and we saw bread not being available and eggs not being available. And, you know, the rain has now started this summer, but it was very dry and farmers were having a really hard time. But we also got to remember if it doesn't happen to us, it's happening to brothers and sisters across the world. Mm. And those that are less affluent are going to suffer the most. And we just, we have to face up to it. And, and so when I can't really pinpoint the moment where I went, shit, I better start doing more. I better start talking about it more. I better start learning more, but it's something I'm trying to do the entire time. And, um, I, I want to do meaningful things and meaningful (laughs) would be if, if I'm giving a recipe, I'm going to try and if I give a recipe on social media or wherever, whatever I doing, you know, you know, when you really pinpoint what you do all day, I mean, I just think to myself, what am I? I guess I'm someone that <laughs> I think it used to be someone maybe two years ago that would help less confident cooks fall back in love with cooking and therefore help them look after themselves better through food and the action of cooking, which is so which is so self-care and not self-care. I know you know this, but for anyone who might mistake me, not self-care of like luxury and spa and bath and and so on. I mean, self-care is like the act of making a meal and giving it to yourself is a transaction that is powerful and important. So that would have been me two years ago. Now I'm trying to say there's that plus, you know, we vote with our spending power. How, how when you buy your vegetables, who, who who could you help? Could you support the environment and a local farmer by buying it from them? Could you, could you, you know, with everything that's happened over the last three, four months, 
we've we've changed a lot of us have maybe changed temporarily the way we shop but could we use it as an excuse to buy better this time or buy spend our money in a different way could we have we like been supporting our local community a bit more and helping them survive I was about to say flourish actually survive um or could we think about eating more with the seasons could Mm. we not waste food as much and this is this is stuff that I think we inherently all know and care about of course we do because we're all good people but we've just let convenience and other shit I'm swearing quite a lot. Sorry, I don't know why. You're all good. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we maybe let convenience take over. And it, and it can be just such simple things, but I'm just trying now, you know, whenever I need to purchase something, I think, do I, have I already got it? Is it somewhere? Is it in my, fr- have I got food? Do I need to buy food? Is it in my freezer? Is it in my cupboards? Do I need to buy clothes? No, I have, I've got enough clothes for three people and and I'm not a huge, what I would call a huge buyer. I just have in my early teenage years, used to work at Topshop, didn't I? For the discount, I've got enough clothes to, you know, feed uh, clothes, you know, I could have eight kids and still have clothes left over. And that's (laughs) old me because I didn't know any better when I was 16 working on the shop floor in Topshop Kingston. Mm. But now I know better. Nutrition is a priority for me, and I know that the more plants I eat, the better I feel. However, with a busy life, I, like you I'm sure, don't always manage to get my daily quota of greens. So I'm very happy that this season of priorities is sponsored by Foga, a new brand that makes plant shakes, pre-portioned blends of freeze-dried fruit and veg that you simply shake up with water or milk to create a restaurant standard smoothie at home. I'm not really into protein shakes or powders. However, these are genuinely amazing. They're so easy and delicious. Right now, I'm digging the ginger and greens combination, and my daughter is a big fan of berries and cinnamon. They contain zero extra sugars or chemicals, through freeze-drying have all the nutrients locked in, and they're whole plant, meaning they have all the fiber of fresh fruit and veg. It's really the lazy person's dream. If you're looking to easily and affordably prioritize your nourishment, then I'd love to find out if you enjoy FOGA as much as I do. They're offering £5 off your first box with the code PRIORITIES. Check them out on www.foga.co. That's F-O-G-A. Thank you to Foga. I love sleep. Seriously, it's one of my biggest priorities, and I'm a different and much improved person when I get my full eight hours. So I'm incredibly excited that this season of Priorities is sponsored by Sleep Siren, an independent lifestyle brand fueled by a passion for health, wellness, and great sleep. Sleep Siren brings together science, education, and luxurious products to offer meaningful support to busy people who could sleep a little or a lot better. As the mother of a toddler and having suffered from insomnia on and off my entire life, I know firsthand how helpful Sleep Siren can be at identifying and covering your sleep needs. Whether you're looking to read an expert article on the latest sleep science, treat yourself to some insanely soft silk pyjamas, or simply find a luxurious eye mask, Sleep Siren have everything you need to sleep well tonight. If you would like to improve your sleep, I'd love for you to have the same experience as me with Sleep Siren. So they're offering 20% off with the code PRIORITY20. Check them out on www.sleepsiren.com. Thank you to Sleep Siren. I think this point of lockdown has actually been so interesting from this perspective, because as you say, there are so many, you see nature so much more prominently, incredibly. Um, But also I've got so many friends who shopped in a very different way before, who were purchasing maybe every day from Tesco's and a big delivery once a week or whatever, but they were really overbuying and not connecting at all with where their food came from. So not thinking it was all about convenience, as you say, and not about communicating with and supporting your local community or your farmers and I'm obviously going to sound super smug saying this but that's the way that I have shopped for a very long time it's the way that I was talked to by my parents by my father in particular Um, but I've seen this change in most of my friends certainly the ones that live around here who now have changed their habits what probably for good because they've seen that there is this way that you can do it you can get an odd box or you can get a riverfoot or you can get whatever it is you know odd box is incredibly affordable it's actually much cheaper than going to Tesco's every day or even doing a weekly shop from there. So that all these little, hopefully long-lasting changes that are coming out of this obviously very 
difficult and challenging situation that we're in. Mm. Well, those of us that have the privilege of either being like to be able to shop daily at a supermarket is a privilege, isn't it? Because it's time, it's, it's, yeah, it's the time to shop. And then those of us that are buying our veg boxes, we have that privilege of being able to get online and order one, you know, like, and have the time to do that because a lot of people maybe don't have their computer that they could do it at or haven't been given that information or don't have a credit card or a debit card or whatever to set Mm. something like that up. And so those of us that can, we have a responsibility to vote for a better food system. And for those, and then at the same time, also think to ourselves, you know, the, 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 um, the number of people now relying on food banks, support, uh, their local council, you know, it, it has gone up because we know thousands and thousands of jobs have been lost. Um, and before that, we, we also know that we knew that, you know, over a million kids, school kids depend on free school meals. So I think really important um, and something I'm doing is, you know, one, because th- this leads on to food waste, is food waste blows my mind. And you, you mentioned your family have brought you up to, in a way to shop. Probably similar to me is that my family, the army side, the Catholic side, you did not waste any food. And you also put your neighbour or whoever needed something ahead of yourself. And I'm not saying, again, in a smug way, we should all put everybody in ahead of ourselves, but we have to look out for each other and I'm sure loads of people do this already and and volunteer and look out for each other but I like my local street in East London on every single street in our area you know like I've got like a signed up like the neighborhood watch or whatever it's called the neighborhood association every street has got a food box and we all go and contribute to it and I think it's really important especially if you know no no judgment but if you did stockpile food at the beginning and I do say no judgment because we can't ever know what what fears and anxieties people had or how big people's families are, or maybe you were supporting lots of different families. But if you have got spare food and you know realistically you're not going to get through it, go and put it in the food bank now. And that's why I love apps like Olio, which is worldwide. And the idea being, you know, like on the Olio, well, Olio, not Olio, Olio, I, I saw people, you know, saying, I've, I've actually got too much toilet paper. So if anyone wants it, here it is, come get it. And everyone doing it a safe social distance. I did some cooking for them. They did cook for kids, which was, they did cook for carers. Um, and on a personal level, like one, we've got to do it on a society level. It's just human duty. But on a personal level, as someone that suffers from, you know, like really, really, really bad depression, anxiety, it comes in waves, you know, when I, it doesn't solve it, but it does make me feel like I've got some purpose when I'm feeling very lost to go and put food in the food bank or in the food box, which then gets distributed or, um, there's so many ways we can support each other, but it's just crazy that the United Nations say that a third of food produced is lost along the way. A lot of it happens at home. So go and put it in a, in your local food box or, or put it on an app or, or do not be even better. Um, cook extra and drop it around at someone's house, you know, and that feels really good. If you like cooking, that's a really good thing to do. doesn't have to be gourmet. Of course, who's going to say no to an extra banana bread, use up your ripe bananas, <laughs> drop it around at the local hospital or, you know, wherever, maybe at your post office. I actually, um, yesterday I was walking around and, um, some kids, you know how lots of people have got and uh, thank you NHS in their windows and rainbows the local kids had decorated the post box the red post box you can even tell it was covered in stars and pictures and thank yous it was the cutest thing and I was like I love kids 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 know kids know about saying thank you don't they they know they get it right I'll um I'll link to Olio 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 yeah Olio I think I don't think they mind. (laughs) No, don't think they're too fast. I've used it before. They're fantastic. I think what you said about um, coming back to working with people and reaching out and helping and contributing when you are feeling 
uh, sad or depressed or anxious or when you're in any sort of space like that can be so transformative. I definitely, myself, I do loads of charity work. I always have. I do lots of work within the yoga meditation sphere that's in the charity. And I knew from the very beginning of when I started working with that stuff that that would be my direction because even if it's very selfish and it makes you feel better, that's also fine. I say it to people a lot when I talk to clients about what's going on with their mental health. I always ask, are you contributing anyway? Are you doing something? Because even if you do it just to make yourself feel better, that's still fine because you're still contributing. I can't remember who said it, but someone said enlightened self-interest is the driving force of man. And I really believe that. I really believe that people do often do things for their own personal but for their own personal reasons, but it doesn't mean that the effect isn't still wonderful on lots of levels. I agree. It's, I think I saw someone describe it once as a helper's high. and um, <laughs> I've never heard that. It can, it can sometimes be that. But also what I think it is, is, you know, I'm just really conscious if anyone's listening to this, like, oh God, you both sound, you know, oh God, you both do charity work, great, pat yourself on the back. And, <laughs> and I'll say, that, I just want to say, if you're not doing it yet, that is okay. Because before I started actively, you know, I, f- I feel like I, I was doing it as a child because my mom was so involved with church and community and the army family is, you're always helping someone out anyway, because you're living all together in army barracks. But when I then, it, it just takes, it. the best way to do it, I think, is maybe two ways. Maybe you've got an interest already in something, whether it's, maybe you're good at tennis, maybe it's dance. Maybe there's a way through whatever your tennis is or your dance to mentor someone younger than you or provide entertainment or help someone out or offer someone a chance or donate your racket. I mean, it doesn't have to be something that feels completely alien to you. You know, for me, I cook and that's easy for me. So for me, it ended up being cooking. For you, it's yoga, meditation. So of course that seemed easy. For for people that maybe can't see an easy way in to get started, because it does feel overwhelming like what could I do it could be as simple as if you've got a bike you could help deliver food if you're on foot great if you want to combine exercise with dropping some food off at someone's house there's so many ways and actually I think another thing to say is you don't have to commit to hours and hours it could be you know you've got a day coming off and you'd like to spend it in a positive way there's there's ways there's ways to do it without feeling like you've got to know exactly what you want to do. Yeah, completely. And as you say, you know, children decorating a post box, that's amazing stuff. Just checking, checking in with your elderly neighbor. That's amazing stuff. You know, it's very simple. Yeah. That actually brings me on really well to your third priority, which is supporting your community. Well, yeah. What is your community? (laughs) I guess there's multiple communities. Um, I guess there's your neighborhood community. Um, I think, I think it's lovely to have multiple communities. I mean, the, the events that I set up that were live events because I really craved one on like a face-to-face interaction because when I'm feeling low, I just, I just don't want to see anyone. And so I thought by having these events that I ran, the first series was every Monday for eight weeks and I got speakers in and we, we I brought different speakers in and we had different uh, conversations. So the first one of the sustainability sessions was the state of your plate. And that was with Sky Gingle, the chef and Grace Dent, the food critic and um, Anita Rani, the country file and uh, BBC One War on Plastics presenter, slow living champion. We talked about the state of our plate and we talked about, you know fair trade I also do work with fair trade about ethical sourcing and and making sure that people are paid a fair living wage and we talked about that and that was a live event and it became a a new community that built from people like me who wanted to understand sustainability but aren't 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 going to do a a degree in in climate and sustainability and how else are you going to learn without going down some sort of internet rabbit hole uh, and reading loads of reports and so that became a community in itself and um, I guess you having your podcast this this builds a new community for yourself um, which I think is really important and and it allows you to explore different sides of your personality your interests um 
and again in a way like gives gives space to other people to come in and go you know because the, these the point of community is it's not about you is it but it's things that you're interested in that you want to try and find so I also think as well a big one is making space for other people so you know taking a good long hard look at myself in recent weeks and saying am I supporting and amplifying as many people and as wide a range of people as possible on my page whether they be businesses um food cuisines different countries you know do I spend a lot of time talking about maybe Filipino food and um uh middle eastern food i mean how much have i banged on about harissa and tamarind these last three years could i be talking about ghanaian food and nigerian food and indonesian food and just because i don't haven't been there doesn't mean i can't bring someone else on to ask them questions and get them to teach me things so i think community is is a big one it's it's whatever space you've got whatever platform you've got is um making sure everybody feels included and letting everyone else have have space and time to showcase what they love. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really brilliant and generous way of thinking of it. And I think, as you say, these past few weeks with everything going on, there has been a lot of reevaluating and looking at what our places are and what we're doing to help or hinder or support everything that's going on. Mm. Tell us a little bit more about the sustainability sessions. Well, yeah, so uh, one was on food, the state of your plate. We, we did um, the future of fashion. Oh, interestingly, just thinking back to our earlier chat, the third one was mental health. And that was the one that sold out the fastest. And that was with Matt Haig and Bryony Gordon and Paul Nabel, who also has an amazing platform called See My Strong, uh, which is for women that don't feel or sorry not not anyone that doesn't feel they're represented in the fitness industry or or wellness industry which is a uh, a whole conversation in itself and that's called see my strong that's brilliant and that and as I say that one sold out fastest um and each when I say sold out we we sold the tickets so 15 pounds a ticket and the speakers were all paid and then we gave a third of the ticket price to a different charity so for mental health it was mental health mates the community organization we did the felix project the food waste charity for the food one we did a very interesting one on travel you know what if we if we do travel whether it's vacationing in the UK or whatever your home country is or traveling abroad how do we have do we continue to travel can we be sustainable and still travel can we have a positive impact when we're there very you know there was no concrete answers and it was very much exploring and interestingly lots of the people who I asked to come on said wow well you know nice to be asked but I don't know if I'm necessarily a sustainability expert and I thought that was so interesting because I also felt this imposter syndrome um knee-jerk reaction to you know I, I want basically I wanted to go to an event like the sustainability sessions I was looking for an event and I couldn't find it and so I so then I was like oh shall I set one up who's going to come I don't feel qualified to do this but I think that's the nub of it all is we aren't, there aren't loads of sustainability experts out there who can tell us, uh, well, they can tell us, but maybe we're not seeing enough of them on an everyday level who can tell us small ways that we can go about making positive changes that add up and add up and we repeat them every day and every day and they become infectious. So then our friends and our colleagues and our family adopt them. And we cannot underestimate the impact that those small things, repeated, 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 day, day, daily, they get bigger and bigger as we gain more confidence and they will have a collective impact as opposed to, um, you know, no, I don't know many people who are willing to go and live off grid and grow their own and we, we're all, we all have an impact. So uh, lots of people said, oh, I don't know if I'm necessarily sustainability impact, but I'd like to be an expert, but I'd like to be part of it. And that's what I thought was really interesting is, is everybody was then very pleased to know that, that we, so many people had um, knowledge to share practical tips. And I think that was an interesting one because, right, so we don't have time to keep, we don't have time to all explore and mess up. 
if someone knows something that works well and it's easy for someone to adopt, we can start doing it. So if, if someone has found a way of, I don't know, um, like for example, there's this uh, link where uh, a glorious woman has, has got, there's a link and I'll share it with you where you can put in your postcode wherever you are in the world and up will pop your nearest refill shops, you know, your plastic free uh, package shops. How brilliant is that woman? And now it means that anyone can go and without having to do all the research, which can be a hindrance for people that don't have the time and the money, they can now go, right, there's my nearest shop. And then the next step is, will I go in there and support them? Will I go and shop? And and these people now have also reacted and they've got vans that can, you know, go to your street and you can shop with them like that. So that's an example of something really amazing that becomes infectious. And then someone sees that happening across the world and goes, I'm going to do that here. That's what I think is is so great. So sustainability session series two, I've got to sort of get get my arse in gear and get on with it. Yeah, you do, because they're so amazing. Do you know what I liked actually? And I, I got this tip from you, uh, from your Instagram. Yeah, a sustainability sustainability tip uh, was to save all the scraps from onions and carrots and the peelings and everything and chuck it in the freezer and then make stock from it, which I've been doing ever since I saw it on your Instagram. And I com- it's so simple. Couldn't believe I'd never thought of it before. Started doing it. And as you say, someone came around and was like, oh, you do that. I should do that. That makes sense. Because you never necessarily, I mean, never necessarily be bothered to like get all the vegetables together to do a stock when they're all there. It just makes it really easy. I love that tip. Good. I mean, I only really probably also myself do it once, maybe twice a month because the moment, just because it's, when you've got the scraps in front of you, you think to yourself, right, I could make stock now but I'm tired or I'm hungry. So then you either put them away and hopefully in a compost as opposed to just a regular bin, or you go, do you know what? I know if I put it in the freezer, it will, you know, freezer's a time machine. I'll come to it at some point, whether it's next month or the month after, I'll make some stock. It's there. It will then be so delicious. It's like, it's the other thing as well about food waste that I think you need to remember. You know, when you when we throw food away, we're throwing away money, we're throwing away wasted resources, all the energy that went into growing it, uh, transporting it, getting it to the shops, us getting it home, everything. It's a waste. But then we're wasting money when we throw it away. But then I think the real thing for those of us that love food and who doesn't love food, you're throwing away free flavor. So your veg stock... I can imagine someone listening going, well, what's so great about VegStock? I could buy a VegStock cube. Well, you know, I think we could all disagree. We could all agree or disagree, but I think a homemade VegStock is always going to win in terms of a packaged up VegStock. But the thing about having a homemade VegStock ready to hand is when it's there and, you know, you just, I like keep a jug of it in the fridge and everything you add it to, tastes 10 times better and that's the important thing to note is we're not just doing veg stock scraps because we want to feel really good really smug it makes everything lovely so whether you're making a bolognese a soup a stew uh, a dip like anything where you need a little bit of liquid and you want free delicious flavor you're in business it just it just adds that and that's what restaurants do obviously restaurants <laughs> restaurant chefs have a whole level of layer of skill. But one thing I do know they all do, because I've been in a hell of a lot of restaurant kitchens, is they always have veg stock or meat stock constantly on the go and they add it to everything constantly, constantly, constantly. And that's the secret magic ingredient that makes everything lovely. Yeah, I'm so glad you're doing that. Brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. All right, we're going to come on to something that's not a priority for you. Something that's not a priority for me. Um... I, I sort of touched on it at the beginning and it's a big one for me is um, when I said that I'm a recovering perfectionist uh, and it's it's also again going back to the sustainability sessions I remember there was a careers one with Fern Cotton and June Sarpong and that one was a really good one because the money for that we gave to uh, Women Supporting Women which is a part of the Prince's Trust, Prince Charles's um, ginormous charity which supports so many young people over the UK and we're all ambassadors for that but especially uh, Women Supporting Women I was keen to do Um, and 
Jean Sarpong and Van Cotton, you know, who I feel like we've sort of our age and a bit older, you know, we grew up with watching them on TV, creating their own brands. You know, Jean Sarpong is now head of creative diversity for the BBC. What 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 a long-awaited role that should have been, and you know, she'll, she'll, she's the best person for it. But they all kept talking about this idea of imposter syndrome and believing in themselves and both of them talked about beating themselves up well especially it was interesting fan did I think fans of Virgo too but she was like so many times I've said to myself that's not that's not good enough and I so resonated with that because you know probably even now <laughs> even though I said when we started I'm a seven out of ten you know there'll be a part of me when we get off going oh my gosh I was so silly when I said that. Oh, did I talk too much? Um, was I really banging on a bit about like, oh, I'm so great. I do this for charity, and I and I also, and how great are we with our vegetables? I'll be I'll be doing exactly the same, Melissa. I do every single time I record one. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to put this out. I don't want to listen to this and edit it through. Oh, that's a crisis. tough one, isn't it? Having to listen to ourselves back as we edit ourselves. Ah. You know, and, and I remember thinking these two amazing women that are so um, successful in their industries, I was very surprised that still they were both saying that they, you know, and I, and, and I don't have loads of famous friends, but, you know, I used to be a private chef for bands and actors. So I've met a few famous people along the way and I don't think it's anything that goes away. And I don't even just mean famous. I mean, people that maybe are very successful in their field, whatever it is. So it all ties back to mental health and I don't want to live my life not enjoying. I want to, I want to finish as an example, come off, come off this podcast with you, be like, that was fun and interesting. And I'm really glad I did that. I did all right and go and have my walk. So, you know, that I don't want to go and question myself and second guess and relive it because it happened and it was lovely. So, but then, of course I will. <laughs> of course I'll, that's, that's the dream world, right? So I've got to be realistic with myself. Of course I'll go, oh shit, you know, that, you know, did I, did I, whatever, whatever. Why didn't I remember that David Ashbrook quote? Whatever it is, that's human. Like that's human to, to check check ourselves but I don't I, I make a conscious effort every day and I will when we get off this to go it was a beautiful hour together like don't spoil it don't ruin it it was lovely it was great you said what you felt from the heart so I, so it's it's a working progress and mm. um again I there's a running theme here I always forget who says these quotes that I remember in my head but one one of them is something like done is better than perfect and I really wrestle with that because I'm like "Mm." but if it's not good enough I'll beat myself up so but then what is good enough and I think that is a big one is um and I chatted with Candice Brathwaite who has written this incredible book it's amazing I interviewed her a couple of months ago for the wing she before the book was released she's fantastic so anyone that doesn't know her, please go and look her up. Candy Sprathway, um, she's written a book called I'm Not Your Baby Mother, which is the first uh, book of its kind published by a major publishing house written by a black author. And it's it's a bestseller as today across all the bestselling charts. And it's, yeah, I'm Not Your Baby Mother. And it's about her it's about taking up space and it's about the hurdles and the obstacles that she's faced and continues to face. And she has a platform called make motherhood diverse. Uh, It's impossible to sum her up in two lines, but she's very clever, very funny. And her voice is so important. All voices are important, but she, she, she just deserves everybody to be listening to her. Um, And we talked about intuition like we have and we talked about what success means and so whenever I feel myself which I feel every day wobbling with my perfectionist like not good enough not good enough try harder try harder this like like this like this is what I feel on my 
I think, and, and massively contributes to my anxiety, you know, this is it. Like, it's just like, mm, mm, it's like, I'm trying, I'm doing a face at you, but obviously this face isn't going to come across in the podcast. Like, <laughs> like I'm basically clenching my face up and making like a constipated face. Like that's what happens when my perfectionist kick in. It's horrible. It ruins things. It takes pleasure away from things. It makes lovely meals not taste as nice. It makes really romantic moments not taste as feels good. When I look back at, for example, romance, when I look back at um, relationships and I'll speak mainly about, you know, I'm pretty much friends with all my platonic friends still, but if I think about people that I've like loved and been with for two or three years and how it's ended, I can trace so much of it back now for me worrying things weren't good enough or not meant to be like this. So it's, it's a bit of a disease in a way um, and it's something I'm working on. And that's why I'm, that's why when I, when you ask me, what am I letting go? That is, but I have to let it go almost sometimes on an hourly basis. Mm, I think it is definitely on an hourly basis. It's also what you talked about earlier about brain health as well. The more that we think something, the more that thought becomes true to us, right? So the more that we go to a, to a thought path about something, for example, you know, that's, that sense of um, imposter syndrome, the more likely we're, we're going to go there again over and over and over. So as you say, it is this practice where every single time your mind goes there, you have to be like, no, fucking stop that. Come back. <laughs> Give me a break. Let me just go for a walk. Like, fuck off, basically. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah. I, I haven't actually told my imposter syndrome to fuck off before, but maybe I should use those words. You know what? You know how we said how the mental health conversation has changed and opened up and blah, 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 and all these things. But it is so powerful, actually, because... What you just said I, it, it, it's so important because imposter syndrome, I didn't even know that term existed till two years ago. I thought I was weird and strange. I thought it was just a, sh- a shit on my back that I had to deal with all the time. I didn't realise that other people felt it a lot of the time, just like me. I didn't realise that it was something I could work on, just like everybody can work on it. Um, and I And we we maybe wouldn't know that if we weren't all banging on about mental health, like we all should all the time. Um, and I love also, I just uh, quickly say, I don't want to give too much away, but Kimberly Wilson has had such a profound impact on me because I said to her, like, why aren't we talking about our brain health more often? And she said, because we're obsessed with bodies. Our society is obsessed with bodies and that is sad and true. And let's not, let it be like that for our kids and our god kids and the next generation like let's prioritize brains and comfort and connection and community and not racing and competition and perfectionism and bodies and that kind of false ideas yeah yeah completely I mean I'm I'm with you so the last thing was what is an area you would like to improve on what's a priority you you'd like something to prioritize more but you kind of you kind of done it kind of said it didn't I yeah Yeah, I'm 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 prioritizing not being a perfectionist and just just remind me how you're going to do this so you remind yourself and you remember um what steps are you going to take was it tech to fuck off (laughs) (laughs) what steps am I steps am I going to take um I can't remember I think a big one is just defining on a daily basis what a, what a comfortable good day and meaningful day feels like and it's not racing and it's not being competition and it is not um having to do the to-do list which is a big thing for me I mean I almost have to write a to-do list about why I shouldn't write a to-do list um and it's about reaching out I think a big thing is is really like you said, naming it. So when you said tell it to fuck off, I think a big thing is I found myself saying to my boyfriend, I'm feeling this now. Like I'm feeling this isn't good enough. I'm feeling I'm not good enough. And we talk about it. And I sort of run it through my head. Okay, right. So I think the, the not just acknowledging it, like definitely um, letting it be there in your face and letting it go. I think in that way as well, when you talk through it with someone, you realize what you would say to a friend, you know, if, the, if you were in the, if you were in your boyfriend's position, how, how you would hear it. Mm. That is a, 
very good way of, of, of everything because because otherwise we just we harbor these niggly secrets as if they're dark and strange but we all know lots of us are feeling that way yeah absolutely I think also what can help is reminding yourself of the value that you add so coming back to that you know you, so much of your work is about adding value whether it's on a community level or on a you know, personal level, wherever it is, I, everything I see you do is about that, whether it's mental health, whether it's sustainability, whether it's, you know, just cooking a really good meal that someone's going to enjoy and fall a bit more in love with food or fall back in love with food. So reminding of yourself of that so that when you have those feelings of imposter syndrome, you're like, okay, well, that doesn't matter because my aim is still to add value. That's lovely. Thank you for saying that. Um, that's, a, that's a good one I'm going to go and write that down and I'll attribute it to you so if I ever quote that back <laughs> at someone I'll finally be able to say who I stole that off <laughs> you're going to forget you're going to forget I'm never going to be quoted for that it's alright <laughs> alright just to finish up do you want to tell us a little bit about the feel good sessions mm. so the feel good sessions actually um I realized as I was, you know, thinking about our, what we were going to talk about today, kind of encompassed my three priorities, which are comfort, connection, and community. And they are so interlinked. I mean, they basically are all the same thing, which is what we've spoken about today is, is, is being good and true to yourself and to other people. And so the Feel Good Sessions, I have at this point recorded about six six episodes and again like the sustainability sessions I do them on Monday nights because I always feel like my Monday nights are the days where I get a little bit more lost Monday nights I always feel a bit lost and anxious on Monday some people think feel get Sunday scaries for some reason mine are the Monday nights and um, they're on Instagram live and then I put them onto Instagram TV and they're just really nice chats they there's often a lot of laughter sometimes get quite vulnerable and and sad and um what's quite funny is you never know what's going to come up so there's 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 bigger questions and then there's little questions and all of them are about sort of finding joy in the everyday small things um which I think is is something that we've touched on isn't it crunchy leaves and bird song and a really nice good hot cup of tea <laughs> you know simple pleasures we're simple creatures really aren't we yeah we really are simple stuff small stuff that adds up to big stuff Melissa thank you so much oh thank you thank you for letting me talk about all the things that are important it's lovely lovely to be on this congrats on your podcast thank you very much and don't you dare leave this and go off and uh ruminate I won't <laughs> you too don't do that <laughs> Give yourself a high five. Likewise, we'll do a virtual high five through the screen there. All right. Thank you, my love. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Priorities, I'd really appreciate it if you could make it your priority today to hit subscribe and also rate and review as this helps other people find it. Need a little incentive? Every month, I offer one free 60-minute online coaching session to a listener. All you have to do is hit subscribe, rate, review the podcast, and then email a screenshot of your review to prioritiespodcast at gmail.com. You'll then be added into the ballot for a free one-to-one coaching session with me in which we will help align the priorities of your life. Thank you so much for listening and take care.